Hello and welcome to a new episode of Another Fine Mess, Global Capital's dedicated European securitization podcast. The three of us were racing around London this week to hear pitches for our securitization awards. Stay tuned for those. Um, and at some moment of cuddling up with the masses on the tube, our usual host, Tom Lemon, managed to catch a terrible cold. So this is me, Victoria Thiele, CLO uh, reporter at Global Capital, and I will be in charge of discussing the latest market news with my colleague, George Smith, who covers essentially the rest of securitization. Hi, George. Hello, Victoria, and very best wishes to Tom and his recovery from that and his jet lag as he's back in America now, yes, I believe. Yes, he is. He is. Um, yeah, so a lot <laughs> a lot for Tom to deal with. Um, so we're, we're taking this off his hands. And George, what's been going on in ABS this week? Yeah, it's been busy. We've had a, a few deals out there. Um, I mean, it's actually hard to believe that it was only, well, we're actually recording this on Monday morning, so only last week that Clydesdale finished off pricing Lanark. Um, that landed well inside covers. And then we had together on Friday um, very, very healthy oversubscription on their MES, which was the only publicly offered part of that deal. And also a couple of Euro deals um, from Orcs Money and Hilton Lease. So that pipeline is taking shape, although those are slightly unusual market openers. People are saying German autos tend to be more common. Um, but I think that market is also going to spring into life uh, with those deals probably pricing this week. All right. Um, good to see that it continues to be alive and well. And you mentioned that that Clydesdale deal. How did that compare to the Pemberton? Uh, sorry, uh, Pemberton is a solo <laughs> manager, not an ABS issue. How did they compare to, to the permanent and Holmes deals um, that you were talking about last week? Yeah, uh, it was an interesting comparison, actually, because, I mean, it was tighter on in just sort of pure numerical terms. That one was at 50 basis points over Sonia, and the permanent homes were both at 55. Um, but it was a three-year weighted average life. So in a way, this the, that's the closed it one, and the permanent homes were both five years. Um, so it kind of builds the curve out a bit more. Um, I think it does show you there's probably slightly more depth at the three-year um, level and particularly more European investors was probably the most notable thing. I think the book had about seven percent European investors for um, Lanark. Interesting. Is and that is that like? Do you think that's that's start of a trend? Is your are European investors gonna show unusual presence going forward? Uh, well, I think I mean it, it, there's always been some crossover in the investor base. It's probably what was notable about the. The homes deal only had 1% European investors and the um, same with permanent had only 3%, I think. So I think what it shows you is at the moment, the investor base on the kind of five-year prime prime deals are is unusually domestic. Um, and the three-year ones have a bit more reach across. I mean, at some point you would think this prime investor base is going to be somewhat saturated if it's basically just UK bank treasuries. Um, and UK asset managers, at which point, yeah, I mean, people will have to start thinking about how they can access the European investor base, how they can access even the US investor base and the Asian investor base as well, because, uh, you know, as we're all expecting prime RMBS volume to go up, as we've talked about many, many times, uh, at some point, the accounts that are buying it, we would think will be somewhat more saturated than they are at the moment. I see. Um, I'm sure you will keep an eye on that. And with all that going on, you were <laughs> still writing about the ESMA consultation, weren't you? 
Yeah, we did talk about this yeah. last week briefly. Uh, this was Esma's consultation on the disclosure requirements um, for securitization issuers. The one that came uh, sort of five minutes before Christmas. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just snuck out on the second last working day, or maybe in the last <laughs> working day before Christmas. Um, yeah, there was a point of controversy which um, came up, which was this discussion about whether investors are in favor of simplified templates for private securitizations use on it. But um, doesn't that just mean does that just mean bilateral deals basically? If it's private securitization, one person buying something and one person selling it, why is there is there any need for complex disclosure there? Why do you need to simplify? Yeah, it? I mean, you would think that, and that I think is kind of definitely what springs to mind when you do hear private securitization. But uh, and in that case, you and people did say, you know, you would think like the reporting would be tailored to the deal. The investor would have the leverage to request the reporting that they wanted before they invested. But private securitizations can include like CMBS and uh, CLOs, so. In those instances with a more granular book, more investor base, you would think the investors probably have a little bit less uh, power there. And actually, the UK is going through quite a similar process to what the EU is kind of, well, the EU is doing its disclosure templates. The UK is is twisting itself in knots about trying to define <laughs> public and private securitization. So they've got about three options, I think, in one of the FCA or PRA consultations with how they want to define that. Interesting. Do you think um, any definition will last very long? Because I feel like markets are just merging into each other more and more. Yeah, I do wonder that. Particularly, we had the, uh, I mean, you know, synthetics is causing yeah, the exactly. same problems. Like, there was a bit of outcry, I think. We maybe even talked about it on the podcast. I definitely wrote about it on one of the UK definitions of uh, private could have caught synthetics up in it and whether they want to be caught in public or private uh yeah i mean definitely the line is blurring and uh it may be a case of a deeper rethink of regulation but i'm sure tom will have some views on that when he returns <laughs> um, we shall stay put if any readers are desperate to find more about more about it they can get in touch with tom <laughs> uh, well, thanks, George. If you now want to read the story, it is called Esma Consultation Provokes Surprise Over Simplified Template Feedback, and you can, as always, find it on Global Capital. You can, indeed. Um, Victoria, what's happening in your market? Are you still looking on enviously at all my deals? <laughs> um, I am a little bit, but you know, you know, things are, <laughs> things are getting busier. Uh, we had two deals launched, um, Bain Capital and Palmer Square. They're both looking at resets, um, <clears throat> resets for deals they priced in the second half of 2022 when spreads were massively high. There's also a bunch of New issues in pre-marketing, um, names like Soundpoint, Whitestar, Fidelity, they're considered to be among the more likely to pop up. But um, I mean, in, in our market, it's always a little hard to tell because um, you basically can have this phase where you're a manager and every night you call your ranger and you're like, so what's the news? Should we go today? Should we not go today? And your arranger can say yes or no. Um, so it's always it's it's always quite hard to predict what's going to happen and how long it's going to take. Um, and we also had two liquidations, um, which means that they are old deals, um, vintage deals who are not being reset, but um, the equity holders, so CLO managers just decide to 
sell the whole portfolio um, and call it a wrap. And yeah, a few more of those could actually also happen. Yeah. Okay. So there is something to write about. I mean, and clearly clear. you want more because you've written an opinion <laughs> piece uh, saying so. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Obviously, this was just entirely self-serving as a journalist. Um, <laughs> no, it was not. Um, yeah, I, I wrote an opinion piece about um, specifically new issues coming to the market um, because from conversations that I have at the moment, I feel like there is this temptation um, because. Spreads in the secondary market have tightened massively. They're like crossing, like they're definitely around like the 150 base points um, level now down from, like, I think in November it was 195. So some pretty big steps. Um, and there's quite a lot of optimism. You hear that um, price talks for the deals that are marketing or pre-marketing are sort of in the 160 to 175 space um which is pretty good compared to where new issues priced in uh basically over the past three months where they were always stuck in the 170 to 175 range um and i think there's a temptation to see if things can go tighter and maybe wait out the first few deals um but then i think um for for parts of last year the spreads the clo liability spreads weren't actually maybe the biggest problem it was more that the loans were so expensive um because there's hard there was hardly any supply coming into the market so um people would have to buy in the secondary market and that massively drove prices up so it's it's become for at least parts of last year really difficult to ram and we've seen that um massive tightening again over the past few weeks so um yeah, I think the European leverage loan index is somewhere around um, 96.5 cents to the dollar, uh, which is pretty close to the peaks of last year in September. Um, and it doesn't look like there's a lot of relief coming. So there will probably be a few deals this week. Um, but then until the end of March, people are sort of expecting something just below 20 billion euros of um, activity in the loan market. But of those, around 12 billion or so are likely to be just amend and extend deals of owed loans. And then a lot of people who own those deals are likely to roll over into the new loans. Um, so it's not actually washing a lot of net supply into the market. Um, so if you, if you wait um, and issue later, I think you're just running a really huge risk of um, coming into a congested market, a congested market, just fighting over the scraps in the loan market with everybody. Where if you come now, at least you don't have as much competition. <laughs> um, and we've also seen how quickly things can change. Um, and if spreads look decent and doable for you and your portfolio right now, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it makes sense to just go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I think we should we should start seeing a bit of new issues, um this week or next week, at least launch deals. Uh, I think that story is called CLO issues must not wait for a worse time. Uh, so in my head, it wasn't pretty... quite so commanding. <laughs> pretty unambiguous. There. Um, you did mention those liquidations. Um, yes, and. You've written about them and about amortizations as a potential theme for 2024. Um, <laughs> is that is that boosting the loan the loan supply? Um, uh, well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is happening? There, then? <laughs> uh, when we're talking about amortizations, um, it it means that so um, 
when you price your CLO uh, for the first three to five years, it's in its reinvesting period. So you as a manager, um, you can buy and sell loans and um, try to improve the credit quality and um, the returns for your equities investors and so on. But after three to five years, um, at the end of the period, you're entering the amortization period where you're meant to pay back your investors um, and yeah, essentially wind down the CLO over a few years. And in normal, normally um, for the many, many years, um, it's you wouldn't really very often come to that stage because you would just reset your CLO um, and which then restarts the reinvestment period. So, but last year for like the last 18 months or so that really didn't make much sense because um, spreads were insanely high. So if you've issued your CLO in let's say parts of 2018, maybe you priced your triple A's at as low as like 50 base points or maybe up to 100. Um, and now we are at, uh, we're still at 160, even if things go really well for, for new people coming to the market. So, um, and this is already very, very tight compared to a lot of last year or the lot of uh, the last one and a half years. So it didn't really make sense to reset CLOs. Um, and you, if you did wind down a deal and just start like just issue a new CLO, you wouldn't get the same kinds of returns as with an old deal. So for those managers and the equity investors, it just made sense to keep those deals alive um, and uh, try to participate in maturity extensions of the underlying loans because even after your reinvestment period you have sort of limited ability to do that at least for a while um so yeah there were we're now um i think we're now at about 35 percent of clos globally are outside of their reinvestment period which is unusually high and there is an expectation that to the end of this year that could go up to 45 percent and um yeah so there's there's sort of a lot of more and more of these CLOs are also um, under increasing pressure to amortize because they're failing certain tests they have to pass that would allow them to keep their deals alive by participating participating in maturity extensions. Um, so yeah, bottom line, more pressure on more CLOs to amortize and amortizing in the end just means you pay back your investors. So your investors, especially the AAA investors, have more cash, um, which they then want to deploy into new CLOs. So people are hoping that um, that will drive demand for, for new papers, which will be good for spreads. And um, there's also an element that if you liquidate a CLO, then there is a little bit of supply of, um, of fresh loans um, oh, yeah. that come That's into the market. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I think the focus immediately is more on hopes that, um, yeah, fresh money being paid back to investors means more demand for new issue uh, CLOs. And yeah, the question is now um, how quickly that will happen, essentially. I'll, I'll ask the questions here. Uh, how quickly? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll turn on my little uh, desk lamp and let it shine what, into my face. What, you can what ask me what people... I did on Friday between 6 and 7 p.m. Um, yeah, ahead, uh, what, what, what do people expect from that? Uh, um, yeah, so I can start with a hard number. Um, I think it was in a report by um, Deutsche Bank. They Last year, we had about 7 billion euros um, of repayments through amortizations. And for next year, Deutsche Bank predicts like 10 billion. So... There is an increase, but I wouldn't say it's like a massive flood. Um, I think Tom told me that he heard 
something about the potential for $40 billion in the US, which of course is a bigger market, um, so there's a bit more potential. I think the problem that we have, so I think that there will not be huge incentives for CLO managers and um, equity investors to amortize, pay down, liquidate quickly um, with where the market is at the moment. Um, spreads have come down a lot, um, but not really enough. As I said, maybe you um, maybe you priced your CLO a few years ago at 50 to 100 base points. And now we've just come down from sort of 200 um, at the beginning of last year to 160 now. So this is great tightening, but you still have um, 100 base points to go until it starts making sense to maybe reset a CLO for, um, for a lot of people. Um, so the people who can still reinvest even if they're outside of their reinvestment period i think there is enough motivation for them to do so um and just yeah keep these deals with the really cheap uh liabilities alive um and those who cannot reinvest anymore because they're failing those tests that i mentioned um there's a bit more detail about that in the story if anybody wants some i don't know uh, maybe this is actually a story that's a bit easier to understand when you see it black and white because there's so many details um if you're not like deeply ingrained in the clo market um but yeah so those who cannot reinvest anymore um like at all maybe i think they're still not super incentivized to um liquidate early and just uh call it a day because well those um those equity uh, investors are just getting returns that they wouldn't be able to with a new deal. Um, there is a small caveat to that, which I think has been driving um, liquid, those liquidations that we saw recently a little bit. And there's also a few more that could come is that because loan prices have risen so much in the secondary market. So if you choose to liquidate your portfolio maybe because you're keen for some cash to deploy elsewhere so um, maybe not even in CLOs but if you for some reason do uh, have an interest in selling then um, this massive search and loan prices means that you can now sell your portfolio at a pretty good price so that um, may have been the driver of some of that but I don't think um, yeah basically don't think that there'll be a, a super huge wave. So those rising loan prices um uh, that may make life difficult for new CLO issues, um, but they help market on that side. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, if, if loan prices rise um, and make it attractive to liquidate portfolios, um, that will lead to investors being paid back um, and maybe free up some demand for new issuance, which could then in turn potentially help tightening spreads a little bit um, in the new issue market. Also, as you mentioned earlier, um, wash some new supply of loans into the market, though a lot of that is probably quite short dated paper by now. Um, so it might relieve a little pressure on all fronts in um, in the in the new issue market, um, though I doubt that it will have a massive, massive impact. Um, I actually, after I wrote all those stories um, on Friday, I spoke to a loan banker who um, had maybe a little silver lining. <laughs> don't know if you could call it that but at least he said that um it's very unlikely that uh that loans will tighten all the way to like 300 spread um in europe because clo managers make such a huge portion of um investors for new loans so um their their, their pain threshold is actually relevant for 
where loans loans can rise, so there's not infinite tightening on the horizon, which maybe is um, nice to hear for some. Um, there is slightly less good news in the US because he said there is a way more potential um, <laughs> for, for loans. <laughs> sorry, to sorry, Tom. So, yeah. Sorry, Tom. Um, maybe. It is it's very mechanical, isn't it? It this, is, yeah. yeah. Especially... It's what you get with arbitrage products. But uh... are, you, are you sneering on CLOs there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, in a sense, all, uh, all securitization depends on arbitrage, but, you know, yeah, yeah. some of it is closer to the real originations. Um, <laughs> um, and the story is called Euro CLO Amortizations to Come Crawling, Not Sprinting. Right. Cool. Um, yeah, I think that's it uh, for today in terms of market talk. George, do you have any p- fun plans for the next few days? Very fun. Yeah. Very fun. Um, yeah, this was completely <laughs> a suggestive question. <laughs> I already know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm in Vienna on Wednesday and I am moderating the Investor Roundtable at the CE Securitization Summit. So that is quite exciting. That sounds by the stands of my normal weeks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just hanging about in Edinburgh, slaving away over your keyboard. Um, yeah. So if any of our um, dear listeners are also in Vienna, you should absolutely not miss that panel on Wednesday. And to you and everybody else, thank you for listening to yet another episode of Another Fine Mess. And as always, if you have any questions, remarks, um, want to appear in one of our episodes, we do offer that option um, of maybe a Q&A in the beginning. Um, you can contact us. Our emails all work um, with the same formula. So it's victoria.tila at globalcapital.com, george.smith and... Um, should you, I don't know, wish him a swift recovery, tom.lemon at global.com. <laughs> and yeah, that is it for now from us. We will see you next week and goodbye. Well, 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 well,